Hello everyone and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. So today's episode is another business success story. So if you are a Clever Girl entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, definitely take some time out to listen to this episode. If you're not driving or working out, this is a great episode to have a notebook to take some notes down as it was such an awesome episode. And my guest is... Marianne Ladapo. She is the founder of Lennox Cupcakes, which is a gourmet baked goods company serving the metro Atlanta area. And her company began its operations in 2008 from her home kitchen using the eggs and butter that she had in her fridge and selling to people that she already knew, which is pretty incredible considering her growth, which you'll hear all about on this episode. And basically, a $17 investment in a website opened the doors to several corporate clients. And she has since elevated her business by going from being a home-based business to now serving some of the world's largest companies like Google, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, CNN, AT&T, the NFL, to name a few. And today, she now currently operates two neighborhood bakeries in Atlanta, where you can find her dancing behind the scenes to pop music from the 2000s. So Marianne is a friend of mine and she has been featured on the Clever Girl Finance blog. She was part of the Clever Girl Finance book launch in Atlanta and she's just a really amazing and humble person and I'm really excited to introduce her to you. So on this episode of the podcast, Marianne shared basically how she got started, her personal story of being able to create a full-time business despite the 2008 recession, which is when her business started, her successes and challenges and the tips and tricks that she used to grow her business and also also get those big company clients that she now has today. But before we jump into the episode, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast and you've been listening for a while and you love what you're listening to, please subscribe. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you listen to your podcast and just head over to iTunes if you have an iPhone or Apple device and leave a review if you're loving the podcast so that other amazing women just like you and guys too can find this podcast as well. And also we recently launched a super useful guide slash checklist called the Clever Girl Finance Roadmap. It's based on the principles in the Clever Girl Finance book and it's broken into six key components. It is a detailed and actionable guide to help you get equipped with the knowledge and confidence you need to handle your money, get out of debt, and create a sound financial future for yourself. And so if you have the Clever Girl Finance book, it's a great guide to accompany the book. And if you don't have the book, it is super useful as a standalone guide as well. And you can get this guide for free. There is no charge for this checklist slash guide at clevergirlfinance.com slash financial dash roadmap and I will put a link to that in the show notes and if it's been a while since you stopped by the website head on over we have a ton of new content that we're putting on the blog covering a variety of financial topics including topics that you guys have told us that you want to read about and of course we continue to expand our course library so we have a ton of courses on different financial and life related topics and we have access to one-on-one mentors when you become a course taker slash member of Clever Girl Finance. And basically what this means is that as a member, you can schedule time with a Clever Girl Finance mentor anytime you need encouragement, motivation, or just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. And our mentors are amazing. They are 
women who have gone through a lot of the things that you may be going through right now, who have achieved big things with their finances and continue to make progress. And they're there to support, encourage, motivate, and guide you. They are not pitching anything. It's all about helping you achieve financial wellness. And that is the mission of Clever Girl Finance. So we have a ton of different things that you can check out. The roadmap, the book, the content on our blog, and the awesome courses that we have. And before I forget, we have recently revamped the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. So if you haven't been on our YouTube channel in the last couple of weeks, head on over and you will be pleasantly surprised. We have stepped up our game on the channel and shout out to Team CGF for the great production. It is so amazing. But yeah, our YouTube channel game is all the way up now. <laughs> and so we're going to be sharing new videos on the channel every single Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a bunch of topics. And it's going to we have a lot of fun things planned for the YouTube channel. So with all of that being said, let's get into this episode with Marianne. Hey, Marianne. Hey, Bola. <laughs> Welcome to the Clever Girls Little Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So um, yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do. My name is Marianne Ladapo, and I'm the founder and owner of Lennox Cupcakes, and we are a handcrafted baked goods company here in Atlanta. And um, we've been here since 2008. Yeah, so you 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 did the cupcakes for the Clerical Finance book launch in Atlanta, and you also spoke on the panel, and you've also been featured on the Clerical Finance website. You know, mm-hmm. over the years, you've been a huge supporter. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks! It's been amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh, when you were on the book panel, you shared a lot about your personal story and just how you got to this point where you you know, you are a, you're being really humble about your business, but you have multiple stores, you've done um, baking and events for like really big establishments, including the NFL. So I'd love for you to share more with everyone who's listening about your personal story. How did you get the idea for Linux Cupcakes? How did you start? Who was your first customer? Just basically like walk us through the process. I definitely will. So the whole thing started in 2006 and I really didn't go into it thinking I I had a business. In 2006, when I was pregnant with my son, I just had this craving for cake and I didn't think, (laughs) I didn't think I could eat a whole cake. So I just thought, you know, why don't I just like go online and see if I can Google some recipes for cupcakes. And then when I went online, I just discovered this is again, 2006 and cupcakes were just everywhere, I guess. And um, so I discovered like whole entire blogs dedicated to cupcakes. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I started baking and I found it really therapeutic. And I loved the the products because I was eating them a lot. (laughs) And then I would also, when I couldn't eat them all by myself, I would share them with like friends and family and then coworkers. And then even I would take them to church and take them to work with me. I worked at the time full time. Um, And one day I was baking at home. My sister came over and she was like, why don't you make this a business? And I was like, "Uh, okay. I mean, I had been trying my best to live like really frugally at the time. So, you know, I I thought, well, this extra money, I could use it for a purse because I've been eyeing like this really nice designer purse. The Chanel handbag. You know, the (laughs) Chanel handbag. I heard you say it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, you know what? This money could go towards that. And then... So I was baking with that in mind. So my first customers were actually friends of my sisters. Like they, they told their friends about me. And then I thought, well, why don't I just step it up a notch and create a website? So I did that for $17. And then 
my first real client person that I did not know came from like a business, a local business, Cox Communications here in Atlanta. And then that was it. That just kind of got the ball rolling. For some reason, our website seemed to, seemed to attract like more businesses. So we did a lot of um, corporate events. I guess people that work in companies at the time, I guess, then they, they didn't care to see the product. So those were our main <laughs> customers because there was a difference really between like corporate clients, you know, they would just order online. Whereas people that like you and I would probably want to see first and taste it first before ordering mm -hmm. a whole bunch. So yeah, for the, for the longest time, um, our customers were um, just this other businesses and it was, Really nice, really easy. I got to make that money for that purse, but I just did not buy the purse. <laughs> I never got the purse. But who would have thought that the, you know, not buying that purse would be the catalyst to you building now this business where you have multiple stores, you're well-known in the city, you're growing, um, you're busier than you can imagine. Like who would have thought that you it would lead you here? I know I never had that in mind, you know, again, I was very limited in my, um, in my dreams for the business. It wasn't, I really didn't see it coming. Um, it wasn't until I got laid off a couple of years later that I was like, um, you know what, maybe I can make this like my real business. And at that point when I, it had to be my full-time business, I couldn't afford to just, you know, my money had to count for something. Like I would look at everything in terms of how many cupcakes does it take to buy this? <laughs> You were counting in cupcakes. <laughs> I was counting in cupcakes. So it was like straight math, right? Because my cupcakes then, I think they were $2.50. $2 so oh, let me like, do the math for you. So. The math. And then what's the gross margin on that? Like, you know, like when I take away all my expenses, I still can't afford that. So it was like really hard for me to spend money on anything once it became I, my full-time gig. Yeah. You need about 2,000 cupcakes sold. <laughs> Imagine that. And that's a lot of work and sleepless nights. So there was nowhere I was going to. It's not worth it. It was never worth it. It's still, to me, it's like still not worth it. Now, if someone gives it to me as a gift, fine. But like, I think in terms of cupcakes for everything. So you talked about being laid off, and that yeah. was basically the catalyst that drove you to making this your full time job. But how were you weighing the decision between? pursuing your business, your bakery full-time versus going to find another job and keeping it as a side hustle. Because sometimes when people get laid off, right? There's yeah. have financial obligations that are tied to the income you're bringing in. And if you're just starting a business and it's, especially if you're not quite matching your income from your main job, it could, it can be challenging. So how did you make that decision? How did you get to the point where you're able to ramp up your business to help you cover your financial obligations? Well, thankfully, in the two years that I'd started my side hustle, you know, we we had been growing. And so I, I saw that there was potential there. And then the fact also that I really loved my job, like I, I thought that was really rare for someone to actually really enjoy their job. And I just didn't think I could see that elsewhere. I could get that um, same experience elsewhere, you know, because all my friends hated their jobs. So I actually really loved my job before I got laid off. And so I just thought, you know, what are the chances of me finding something I really love? And I just said, you know, it's either I go for it full time now and just, you know, because it, it had proven to me already by that point that it could sustain me. And I kind of, you know, because of the way the economy was, I'd started cutting back on my spending. So I knew that, you know, it could it could replace my income. So I wasn't super worried about that. And mm -hmm. of course, the last resort was if it didn't work out, of course, I would definitely go back and find another job. But 
you know, that was, it was almost an easy decision for me to make just based on the fact that, um, you know, I didn't think I could find some something to replace my, my former job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you started, you were basically not too far from the 2008 recession, right? I was just right smack dab in the middle of the recession. But for some reason, you know, even with, yeah, that's kind of why I changed my lifestyle because of the recession. And then I was, you know, just, I just was like, this is a good time to start, you know, saving because there were talks of layoffs like for a whole mm-hmm. year before I got laid off or even longer. Um, it was that it was coming, it was coming, it was coming. And when it finally did, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I knew like when I was going down the elevator with my box, I knew exactly what I was walking into. <laughs> like, you know, so like the funny thing was in that elevator that day, like there were so many people on that thing elevator and he was like, what are we going to do? Someone just bought a house. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Well, I think I know what I'm going to do. And, and so, um, yeah, the business just took off from there. So you basically recession-proofed your finances, and um, I'm actually going to link a blog post in the show notes, and I think this is, your story is very timely because you've probably been hearing all the talk about a a probable recession coming up very soon, because recessions are cyclical, you know, economies are cyclical, recessions come and go, and, you know, this is a time when everybody should be preparing for a potential downturn in the economy. Um, They're never permanent, but sometimes they can last a long time and you want to make sure that you're prepared. And I love that you were prepared. That is amazing. Yeah, thankfully. I mean, I can't take all the credit because my husband at the time was an accountant and he was just like, like, oh my God. You know, so it was like, look, we saw it coming and we were prepared for it. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) So starting your own business, right? Um, is something that a lot of women who are listening to this podcast want to do. A lot of women listening have side hustles. Some of them have baking businesses, catering businesses, similar to what you're doing now. I'd love for you to share some of the biggest challenges that you you faced as you were growing or even just getting your business off the ground. Because it's one thing to bake cupcakes for your friends and family and for yourself. It's another thing to bake cupcakes at scale and have highbrow clients and you know timelines and how do you plan for a massive batch versus just five cupcakes like how did you manage that transition what were some of your big challenges and things that you had to learn during the process all right so let me um, start off there's been a few along the way Uh, let me take the retail aspect of it so um, I started from home and everything was predictable Um, You know, someone would place an order and then, you know, it it wouldn't be due for a week. So I I could plan ahead with the retail. I really going into retail, which we did um, a year after I was laid off. um, We decided to um, get a temporary lease at at a mall. And that kind of just threw us into um, retail 101 where we have to serve customers <laughs> on demand so just kind of figuring out quantities and not being so wasteful we wasted a lot in the beginning not just knowing like how much to produce so um i kind of had to scale things back a little bit and just figure out you know quantities and and stuff like that so mm-hmm. and then so that that was a, a retail 101 and then after that lease was up that was a temporary lease we moved into another location we had 30 days to find a new location because um the way the mall management works if you were a temporary um, tenant and they had someone to fill your space they would just give you 30 days notice and you had to find a new spot so um yeah so the space i found within 30 days was not retail friendly it was 
pretty much the opposite of the mall where the mall had tons of clients this had zero so i had to build my retail business from scratch and that was a challenge you know in a neighborhood that was growing and you know we didn't have a lot of traffic so we we experienced um the worst day there we had um we sold four cupcakes oh wow two three four it was in a whole day in a whole day so we did our we of course we still had our website business going which we call our pre-orders which was fantastic but the retail side of it was a huge challenge which was building getting known within that neighborhood and then just building that business and like i said that day that we um sold four cupcakes i pretty much had to shut retail down and (laughs) and revisit the whole thing strategy do we still want to do that or not so yeah just um i think the retail aspect has been the more challenging um part of the business and sidebar question you know one thing one question i know that probably popped up in the minds of folks who are listening is you talked about how your online ordering was solid Mm -hmm. how did you get your online ordering to the place where you it was it was basically your fallback so that, um, just having a website, you know, um, you know, SEO, just being, um, just having the keywords out there on, on the site, and I think that um, the fact that um, I start, I went online at a time that there were not that many cupcake companies here in Atlanta, just put me in a good position. So we've always maintained that um, um, solid position on Google rankings, and that really helped us a whole lot. That's awesome, and I, you know. I was thinking SEO, but I love that that's what it was. Because I think sometimes when people start businesses, um, they feel like, and this applies to everybody, including myself, we feel like, you know, our knowledge is good enough. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's, is, there's, there are those extra things that we have to learn and we have to add to our plan, like SEO, like marketing, that are what that is what allows us to grow the business in addition to us being great at doing what we do to deliver the actual service. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who are listening that just got that gem from Marianne about, you know, getting her site to rank using SEO, um, start looking into, if you have an online business or an online slash physical business, start looking into what kind of things can you be doing from an SEO perspective to grow your business? Um, what do you need to learn? What course do you need to take? What books do you need to read? This is all stuff that will help you grow because at the end of the day, it's more than just being good at what you do. It's getting people to know that you are good at what you do and you have to get them to find you. So sidebar, but I wanted to share that real quick tip. <laughs> yes. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. You know, the funny thing is when we started out, we would get, um, we would get orders from Holland and from different places and it was just so amazing it was like yes we got a customer from Holland and the thing is you know these are people that are sending gifts to family members and it's like you know it's way cheaper for them to use us to send their gift even though sometimes our delivery fees was just crazy back in the day like it could be $60 to deliver some cupcakes and they're like yes we'll pay that because you oh, know wow. it's cheaper than us buying a plane ticket and flying there ourselves so yeah we, we were just getting customers we would always get customers from just all over the world so essentially you could freeze and ship not freezing. Oh, I'm so sorry. These are people that are from other parts of the world. Oh, they were shipping to people in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So oh. that was our business. Was like it was like I didn't even know it was a business. It was like a gift giving, a gift giving, a gift business. Oh, where, and you were local. You know, someone just had a bi- yeah. Someone just had a baby. Something happened to someone, and that was our business. Like just you know, being the bridge between someone that was far away and then 
you know, their family members or their loved ones here in Atlanta. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Oh my God, ladies, there are so many gems. I hope you're writing this down. If you're driving, just come back to this podcast <laughs> and write down, you know, the things that you want to work on when it comes to your business. That's awesome. So basically having that presence online allowed you to attract not just local customers, but people from everywhere who are trying to ship gifts to their loved ones at your location. That's awesome. Okay. So it's like multifaceted benefit of having that SEO on there, right? That's right. So challenges where, you know, kind of getting into retail, adjusting to managing your product, not being so wasteful, being in the ideal space. And, um, you know, on the flip side of that, though, in order for you to still be here <laughs> mm-hmm. and still be the big deal that you are today and bigger deal that you're becoming, um, what have been some of your biggest successes? So I would say the first major success was... Yes, share um, more than one. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Okay, so Feel free first, to brag. <laughs> well, I mean, I just ranked them like pre, you know, where we are now anyway. Level one, so level two. Level one. So the first one, the first one that just like blew me away was getting an order from CNN for 2,500 cupcakes. And that was like valentine's day like i sacrificed my valentine's day for that order you know i didn't go to dinner with my husband or anything like that that was it so that was the biggest one was that that 17 dollars website um um got us to be discovered by cnn and that was huge and then more recently was i would say something that um i'm so happy that we got a chance to do was the um cupcakes for the super bowl so we we to do that recently and that's, that's amazing yeah. that's amazing so how did you handle the volume because those like 2500 cupcakes first of all that's your chanel handbag <laughs> just in it case was. you're wondering because really I'm, I'm counting cupcakes right now too and yeah. then- <laughs> <laughs> the math is easy right <laughs> <laughs> and then you just but that's you know jokes aside that's a ton of cupcakes and i can imagine yeah. the super bowl cupcakes were a massive order too yeah. how did you accommodate this in addition to your other smaller orders from your regular customers and like you have storefronts so you have to have products in your storefronts every day too. Yeah. So thankfully with this, I mean, with both orders, we were able to plan ahead, but the difference was when I, the CNN order was just me. Um, and, um, wow. and then with, with the super, <laughs> by the time we had got the Super Bowl order earlier this year was, you know, I had a whole team working on that. So that was, you know, easier than the first one. Wow. 2,500 cupcakes by yourself. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was I was trying to be cheap, and I was like doing the math in my head, you know, like no labor costs, and <laughs> all the profit is mine. I will keep. I'm just gonna be tired. To <laughs> and I did not sleep for 24 hours. It wow. was horrible, but you know, it got done. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. So given the experience that you have, right, you know, starting your business from just like bare bones on your own. um, And again, I love that you talk about just going through that process of 2,500 cupcakes on your own. In in theory and looking back on it, it may seem like, oh, yeah, she did that thing. But for someone who's building a business and you are the only person working your business, you know the efforts physically, mentally that, that that can take. And it can be extremely challenging and stressful to pull something like that off on your own. And But that was one of your growing moments because I bet you learned so much to apply that oh, to your yeah. next big order. Absolutely. So, you know, 
for, for someone who is kind of in that space where they're, okay, they're working on growing their business. They're kind of like you, it's only themselves, um, don't have help. They're growing. Maybe they're not even growing. What are some things that you remember doing that helped you take the next step to the next level? Cause now you, like I mentioned, you have a couple stores in Atlanta, right? Right. Yeah. And you have a team and you're constantly taking on big orders. Like they're not an issue for you. It's kind of like easy peasy. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been able to like we now have bigger batches so it's 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 gotten easier but you know st- there's still a lot of planning involved and making sure we have everything that we need and you know costing things out to make sure that you know we're getting um we're, we're pricing correctly for for orders like that so for someone who is kind of like in that early day space space what would you what kind of tips would you give them yeah so for me i think if they can um, try to, um, you know, keep as much, um, ju- just try to be fiscally sound at every stage. First of all, you're, you know, where you're sourcing your things from. If you can buy wholesale, buy wholesale. Just, um, you know, keep try to um, keep your margins um, in such a way that you can be profitable. Um, and then also be very um, careful about how you spend because, you know, there's, there's always that temptation to invest. We call it investing in our business by buying more stuff. Like I was buying a ton of stuff and I was like, yes, it's for the business. But I think that I transferred that shopping, you know, that um, desire to shop. For yourself. For myself, I transferred it over to my business. And at some point I would look around and I had so much stuff and I had to donate it all to like a to like a culinary institute here. So you want to be careful not to overspend on things that are not useful for your business. Focus on what your core strengths are. Um, Don't try to be pulled into too many different directions. You really want to be good at a few things, hopefully, and then kind of grow from there. Because I I find that in the beginning, there's a temptation to say yes to everything. And Mm -hmm. uh, it may not be, that, that may not be where your strengths are. So very quickly, I had to learn what my strengths were and what I could do and what, what I could not do. So I, I can, you know, comf- confidently turn down orders because making that cake for you might cost me more than the, what I'm charging. And that's because I have to buy a whole ton of stuff because that's not something I do every time. So you kind of have to figure out um, what works for you, but try to keep your costs as low as possible so you're mm-hmm. profitable. That makes a lot of sense. Turning down the things that are not going to bring you profits, right? I mean, sometimes you'll do them because they'll bring you like the um, I guess attention or additional customers, but that makes total sense when you when you kind of look at what you have and look at what's being asked. Like when I come to my Pinterest fondant, no girl, but guess what? I have someone. I know exactly who can make that for you, but that wouldn't be me. <laughs> so because that's not going to get me any profits. <laughs> no, no, ma'am. That you know that is you know that's that makes sense and that even goes over like regardless of what business that you're in, even myself, I, there's an episode I did also when I talk about, um, on the podcast where I talk about saying no to things. Mm-hmm. And I really had to pause and say from a financial perspective, from a physical and mental perspective, is this thing worth it? Is it going to help me grow my business? Is it going to help me grow personally? Like what is the benefit of me saying yes to this thing? And yeah. it's not because I don't want to say yes. It's because like I have 
so many of these things in front of me that I have to kind of do what works best and what will allow me to keep going and keep my doors open. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can totally, that totally makes sense. And I guess in the beginning, when you start your business, you're still figuring out how it all works. You're still trying out to see maybe you want to do this thing, or maybe this thing is going to be the thing that's going to help you get to profitable. Once you've done it a couple of times yeah. and you know that, no, this doesn't work for me, then it's okay to start saying no to those things. Yes, absolutely. But I, I what I try to do though, is, you know, see where we can meet halfway. And if I can't, help you at all, then I will try my best to, to mm-hmm. even help you further by um, referring uh, you to other people that I know can do a, a good job for you. And one of the things you talked about was now you have a team. Um, mm-hmm. Was it challenging for you to hire your team? How did you, how did you hire that first person who came on to support you? Because I think for a lot of new entrepreneurs um, or even side hustlers, having that first hire is a challenge because number one, they're not you. It's <laughs> right, right. not your business. You have to trust them. It doesn't always work out. So how did you get to that point where you're able to comfortably hire that first person and then also build out your team? So the first person I ever hired was a referral. It was someone that knew someone that would, that liked to bake, you know, so it wasn't, you know, I, I've made so many mistakes in this area as far as hiring because I was desperate or, um, you know, not really understanding what work the person would be doing and whether they would be a good fit. And then there's, there's, it's, it's been a challenge, but then I, I kind of um, have gotten really recently, honestly, it took me a really long time to, to discover who would be a good fit for the business and um, what I, as um, their um um, employer could offer them other than just, just a paycheck. And, and once I figured that out, it, it's gotten better. So I, I've, I have people on my team that are a better fit than when I, when I first started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. you know, hiring can be very, very challenging. It has been, it has been just, you know, transferring that knowledge. Cause you know, there's the, you know, I've always done things a certain way and, you know, just transferring of that knowledge was a, was a challenge to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were there any business books that you read or resources that you referenced that were helpful to you as your, as you were building and continue to build your business? So the first um, book that I read that was really, that really helped me was that the E-Myth Revisited by Michael yes. Gerber. Um, so that really helped me, um, you know, just from a one woman business, um, kind of set things up in a way where I could trans, you know, transfer knowledge easily. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to be, you know, present for things to be done a certain way, even down to, you know, how we answer um, a phone when, you know, whenever the phone rings, you know, that I, I there were things that I wasn't thinking about. I, I read that book several times. I mean, Profit First, a lot of people talk about it. Yes. And I, I read it and it just helped me structure things financially and also to start to look at things beyond just, you know, you know, sometimes you're, you know, sometimes we just want to replace our former income and then we're like, oh yeah, we're doing that. But there's a lot more to growing a business beyond just paying yourself, but also, um, you know, just um, planning to be profitable. So that, that, that was helpful. Um, 
this I don't always read like business books. Like there's a book that I really like called um, "Girl Wash Your Face," which I feel like should be Rachel "Girl Wash." Yeah, Rachel. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like it should be "Girl Get Your Life," because <laughs> you know a lot of things. Just reading it, it's just from a mindset um, perspective, um, and sometimes it's just my. Um, I have these lies I would say that I tell myself, and um, I kind of. Um, just keep myself from from achieving things just based on these um, myths that I have, I guess. I agree. That's, I think- that's been helpful. That is awesome. And yes, I think as you grow, as you get to your next level in business, in life, in career, even in relationships, there are these lies that we tell ourselves about how, even though we've come this far, like that next level is just even more unattainable. And we just need that check to keep mm-hmm. us grounded and focus on the fact that if we have come this far, um, you can accomplish anything. Yeah. So I'm waiting for your TV show and your book. What? As long as I can get free tickets oh, <laughs> to come to the show. Let's and I can bring all there. the clever girls. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. And, Bo, I do have to say that your book, with all the homework that you gave us, has been extremely helpful. Like it's taken me back to myself. Like when I was planning, you know, back when I had a job and I had, I felt like I have all this excess money. Now, what do I, I mean, I know that I have excess money, but you know, it's like just planning for the future. So um, the first person to recommend your book was the same sister that I said, um, I, you know, thought I should start a business. She was like, you need to read this book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you to your sister. Oh, absolutely. So um, are there, before we start to wrap up, just want to ask you one more question. Um, and this is for the women who are listening and just any final words that you give them of encouragement or motivation or anything that you feel would have been useful to you at the early stages um, that you want to share? Yeah, so I think that um, as early as possible to start to think of your business as a big business, not a small business and implement things that would Um, make it easy for you down the road when you do become that big business. So just like envisioning yourself as bigger than what you even have in mind as of where you are. Because I feel like if I had started and I put things in place. So for instance, like my first customers, and I had some amazing, amazing, amazing first customers that were called when they, you know, Googled and found my, my website or whatever. I wrote their information on a notebook. <laughs> so, like, I didn't have a system in place. And God forbid I've lost that notebook. You know what I mean? Oh, your it customer's like, gone. I mean, seriously. And I, when I think about it now, I mean, this was years ago. No excuses, though. But that was horrible planning. Like, not really thinking through the fact that, you know, this is actually a business and you're going to need one day to reach out to these people, keep their information, you know, contact them a year from now when it's their birthday or even before then, you know, just have a plan in place. So just think big and then just set set things up in a way where, um, you know, your future, your future self as a business owner will thank you for having those things in place. That's um, awesome. Awesome advice. And then what is your Clever Girl superpower? Huh. So <laughs> let's see. Um, I would say um, the ability to see the positive in any situation. So just the um, ability to dust myself off and get up and try again. So there's as, as much as I, I have been hit with different things along the journey, I feel like I've always 
uh, found it within me to get back up and then just, you know, turn things around as best as I can. Um, there's this article that someone wrote like in a local paper and they wrote about how I turn like lemons into lemon cupcakes. And I just thought that was so corny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. So they heard my story and they were like, yeah, you have this ability to turn lemons into lemon cupcakes. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Um, but then I now, you know, go back and I think about that. And I just own the fact that, you know, I've been able to, you know, turn negatives into positives because along the way I've been hit by so many different things, you know, mm. this from, you know, things not working out at all to, um, you know, just being able to just revamp the whole, like I talked about the retail thing, just being able to get it to the point where our retail sales and our pre-orders are, are like neck and neck. And that for me is like, you know, just the, I guess the ability to just turn things around. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then finally, how can the ladies listening keep in touch with you? Order some cupcakes. Because oh, yes, everyone please. knows somebody in Atlanta and you guys need to try the next cupcakes. They're amazing. And we deliver <laughs> all over the city, by the way. So you can find us. Honestly, we'll deliver anywhere. You just got to pay that delivery fee. So. <laughs> Put it in your budget. <laughs> right you know but it's cheaper than coming out all the way out here to atlanta so we're um online at lennox cupcakes and then also social media um instagram and facebook where lennox cupcakes on both platforms and we would love to connect with um the ladies out there awesome and i will put all of the information the books um your website and your instagram in the show notes but thank you okay. so much marianne for being here this was amazing thank you. thank you for having me it was um amazing for me so i hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with marianne and you are inspired as you work on your businesses and if there are any people in your life that you know are working on their businesses that you think will find this episode helpful be sure to share it with them in the meantime, if you love this episode and you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe everywhere that you listen to your podcast. So iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, there is access to the Clever All Finance podcast on all those platforms. So hit subscribe, tell your best girlfriends so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast. And be sure to stop by cleverallfinance.com to get that roadmap that I mentioned earlier and to check out all the great content that we're updating on the website every single week. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode and thank you so much for listening.